Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me this week is Jim. Jimmy the Shovel, how are you digging? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you? <laughs> well, uh, Jocelyn is out this week. She has been traveling to Montreal for DreamHack, and I was out last week. I appreciate non-Canadian version of Ryan, John Jagger, jumping on the show <laughs> uh, to continue our tradition of coming on the Gamers Inn and talking about No Man's Sky. That's really great. Uh, I listened to the show. It was really good, and I was happy that uh, that John was on. But I'm here this week. Jocelyn's out, and I have my guest, Jim. Who, uh, we were talking pre-show about video games and kind of catching up, and I had said to you, like, we pretty much talk every day in the Discord, but it's been almost uh, a full year since we've actually spoke in person. And, or not in person, but you know what I mean, like a well, voice chat. Actually, that was in person. Cause was it? Because last time we talked... <laughs> Like, vocally, was in Niagara Falls. That's true. And, I mean, you make it sound like we met in Niagara Falls and then uh, we cut communication. <laughs> That's not true. We, we hang out all the time in the Discord. We're constantly discussing uh, Fire Emblem and all kinds of video games, including a bunch of brand-new Switch titles that you've been playing. Um, so it's it's not like that. But, yeah, I forgot about that. I was trying to remember when did we go to Niagara Falls and we hung out in person. And that would have been late. Was it late August, like last year? Uh, it was mid-September. I think I went up there like September 12th or 13th. Crazy. It's, it's crazy that I, yeah, mid-September. Oh, that was, a, that was a really good, I had a lot of fun. It had been a yeah. while since I've been to Niagara Falls, so it was good stuff. Uh, but yeah, we're, uh, we're going to talk about some video games. Some video games in which I believe yourself or Josh uh, was on the show to try to convince me to play. And I don't know what pushed me over but i finally played it but before we talk about that i want to know about valkyria chronicles because this is a game that's been around for almost 11 years and it's a franchise that has now garnered three sequels i believe uh you're you're playing on switch which is a remastered version right yes it's the it's a port of the remaster they did for the um modern consoles a few years back cool it's brand new oh, for the Switch. No, I was just, and it's brand new for the Switch, right? So it's like about a year out on the Switch. Yeah, it came out last year. They're like right before, or right after Valkyria Chronicles Four released. Nice. Yeah. So what's the? So it's a, it's a Sega game, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And and what's the core concept of it? Are you really enjoying it? Oh, I, I absolutely loved it. It kind of came out of nowhere for me, even though I've looked at it for, for years, really. Just because I love the graphical style of it, it's um, well, it's anime style as far as like character design, but the graphics themselves, the graphics engine is like, have you ever seen really, like, what is it like, really detailed watercolor paintings? Yeah, it's or a, really nice like color pencil work. It's like That's a pastel kind of. Like. Yeah, it's just it's a beautiful graphics engine. Very mm. unique. You don't really see games like that much. But it is a turn-based strategy tactical game, in some ways similar to Fire Emblem, particularly the older Fire Emblems where there wasn't this whole like you know school aspect like in Three Houses. Right. But so the main thing is you have, as you go through the game, you have a lot of cutscenes, either like full cutscenes or just like talking heads on a background, all voice acted too, and then you have your battles. And the battles are turn-based with real-time elements. They have a name for it. I think it's called like the Blitz system. 
But basically, you have um, command points, a certain number per turn, and you move, like, you select a character, you move them around the map, they have action points, which is essentially just a movement amount, and you move, you actually move them in real time. So that means that if you, like, go by an enemy that's facing you and can re retaliate, you can get shot, like, as you're running, hmm. which actually makes it quite a bit more difficult because you have you have to kind of make decisions on the fly sometimes or else because if you just kind of like stand there with a the deer in the headlights look you just get shot and die <laughs> which certainly has happened to me a lot of times in the game but the nice thing is once you go into the aiming mode it freezes the enemy so you can actually take your time to line up your shots and stuff okay cool but it just makes it very very different than like the traditional kind of grid-based battle system of fire emblem or similar games like that, or like XCOM, I guess. And I just found it to be really fun. I just I, um, I get a little bit bored with the combat in a game like Fire Emblem. It just feels a little tedious sometimes, just the amount of time it takes to move your units and all that stuff. So this whole like kind of action system just feels much more suitable. Mm-hmm. Do you, yeah, and I agree with you. I think when I was playing through the 50 hour plus of Fire Emblem Three Houses, yeah, you do feel that with some of the strategy. Some of the maps are very tactic based, and you feel like every move counts, and others are like, no, I just need to get my dudes up to those dudes so they can trounce them, and I can move on, and I can hear more about uh, Bernadetta's uh, issues with school or whatever, like the fact that she won't come in her room. <laughs> I need to solve that problem right i can't be here on this battleground mopping the floor with you guys i need to be back at the school making sure bernadetta can open up to uh all of her peers you know i'm i'm there to help yeah. uh so i'm curious with valkyria chronicles being more action based i have it on the pc i've never played it i think i got it through the humble bundle and you're playing on switch how do the controls compare from a from i mean it's an original console game right so do the controls yes. sort of allow for some precision gaming? I know a lot of folks are like, you know, mouse and keyboard, controller, there's that debate, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, as you know, I am not a fan of aiming at anything with a controller. Sure, yeah. But because you're not having, once you go into the aiming mode, you don't have to do that in real time. And you can also, if you move the control stick, it moves pretty quickly, but then you can use the D-pad for a more precise aim. So it's really not any kind of an issue to be precise with a controller. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's, I don't think there's really any particular difference playing it on PC versus a console. And do you find that, yeah, have you played it a lot in docked mode at all? Like, do you find that there's a difference in quality there? I played it almost entirely in docked mode. I think the first night I had it, I played it undocked. And then I played it in handheld some after I actually beat the game was just kind of doing other stuff like you know redoing battles to get higher grades and such mm -hmm. and i find it to work perfectly fine in either mode it looks really good on um handheld mode um and because the controls aren't like you know fast twitch or anything there's no kind of issues with that mm -hmm. i'm curious yeah i'm i again i have it on pc but i wonder if it would be something i'd play more of if i had it on a console that is so the thing about the switch that's so amazing is the fact that it is for my lifestyle so much more versatile like in the sense that if i want to keep playing 
and I want to stop hogging the TV, I can just pull the the console right of the dock. I mean, I know all everybody knows how the Switch works now, but you know, I, I my personal life, I can walk away with it and play in another room. I've got a dongle now that I can connect my AirPods to it, so I've got my wireless headphones for it, and I just it's just so much better. And the PC, I love my PC in theory. Uh, but like sometimes you load it up and it's like there's so many choices there's like 15 different launchers sometimes you just get caught into like a youtube void and or like you're surfing the web because i don't get a lot of time to to you know peruse twitter and stuff during the day or even when i get home so it's like sometimes it's just nice to have a system that solely plays games and you can just dive in and uh, you say it's all voice acted and stuff so like the characters that are interacting is there this is it more just a, a linear story or are you getting like character interactions and building supports because i know you kind of compared it a bit to like fire emblem right yeah it's not like that at all it's um, okay. completely linear you have no decisions to make or anything like that as far as story goes so you but can't a... love your tank then is that what you're saying <laughs> uh not within the, not within the um within the game no no but there's uh, probably some fan fiction right Oh, there could be. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I really like the story. Um, there's, it, you only have a few a few story characters, really. Mm-hmm. I think maybe about five main ones, and then a couple others on your side, and then a few enemies that you see in cutscenes and such. So it's a pretty small cast, which I think is, is nice, because you kind of get to know everybody. But I really like the story. I like the characters. It had some good emotional moments in it. And it's, it's not a short game either. It took me about 31 hours to do the whole story. Because hmm. even the, the battles are not are not short. Like they, I think one of them, the longest I did was about an hour and a half for one battle. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty, it's pretty, it gets pretty beefy. But so if you're not like, if you don't end up being a fan of the combat, it's probably not a game that people are going to like. But for me that really liked it, I didn't mind spending, you know, sometimes over an hour doing just one battle. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find it too difficult either. Like, there's definitely times where I could get kind of, like, blown up in the beginning, lose a bunch of units. But you can just evacuate them and then bring them back as reinforcements later. So I'd, like, have, you know, a rough start, have no idea what they come doing, just kind of flailing around all over the place. But I was never, like, really threatened. Like, I'm about to fail the mission because of it. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, from what I remember of the game, because I, I think I've maybe told this story, at least told it in the Discord, um, but back in university, when this game came out 11 years ago, it was exclusive to the PS3. It was a Japanese game that was sort of ported over to the West, and I believe at the time it had the same sort of setup as now with, with voice acting and stuff, all English, but don't, don't quote me on that. I, I don't actually know for certain, but... I do remember uh, Matt, who is now uh, yeah, Jocelyn's husband, and they we we were looking for he was looking for Valkyria Chronicles. We called the two EB games at the time that were in in town, um, or no, there were three. We called all three in town, and one of them across town had one copy left. So the game had been like highly publicized as this like Japanese jam, limited quantity quality, limited quantity print. And we had to race across town to get it, and he ended up playing. I think he played a good chunk of it, uh, if not played the whole way through in a couple, like in a weekend. But I remember that moment of of trying to find it, and then, and then I'm brought back to this moment where we're talking about the game, 
you know, almost over a decade later, uh, probably a digital purchase, right? And yes. it's one of those things where it's like, man, I to go back in time and say, like, to have to pre-order and run across town to get a disc, when now you're just like, no, this unlimited quantity, just download it off the internet and pay the same price and you don't have to go outside the house or worry about limited quantities and stuff. So it's really yeah, crazy so- that this game is still around to this day. Yeah, and they, like I said earlier, they just released the fourth one of the series, though two and three were PSP only for mm. some reason, and three never even made out of, out of Japan. Unfortunately, it's never been a big seller from what I can tell. Yeah. And is it is, like Sega proper, bad. or is Sega just publishing someone else's and other developer's work? I, I don't really... I believe it's Sega proper. I think they're just the only logo you see at the intro screen. That's really interesting. I remember just looking at it, and it has that like war, like World War One vibe. You know, like it's not quite like, you know, uh, Hitler type stuff. It's more just like generic, you know, good guy v bad guy, like old school war type stuff. I I I don't know a whole lot about it, but I I always got that vibe from it. That was very World War One. Yeah, it's um, it's like an alternate version of Europe. It's mm-hmm. called Europa. It's vaguely the same shape as the continent, and I think the game is set around, like, 1930. Okay. And, like, within the lore of the game, there was the first European War, like, 15, 20 years before this one, and then you, this one is involved in the second European War. It is very much like an analog to World War II. Okay. Complete with, like, a race of people that are highly discriminated against and blamed for everything. Hmm. Interesting. And... Yeah, it's kind of, and it's sort of like the Western allies versus the Germans and such in the East, though the Western people aren't really all that great either, because you're just like the small independent nation that doesn't want to be ruled by either one. Mm. But it's really, it is the um, the Eastern guys, the Empire, that are the bad one, like the bad ones that are invading you, they have to fight against. Interesting. So, you know, knowing that there's a fourth one out there now, like, would you rather see them port two and three over as a remaster, or are you just gonna? Are you thinking you skip right to four when it's on sale? I'm just gonna skip to four. Um, two was not very well received. Um, three, I think, was better received, but not as good as the first one. And the fourth one is very much like, from what I can tell, it is just the first game, but you know, new. Okay. Like new story, new. Some new units and changes and stuff, but it is like more of a much more of a true sequel to the first game than two or three were. And plus, I'm not gonna like you know do PSP emulation crap or anything like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a hobby, right? You gotta take it up. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. I'll just play. I'll play for sometime in the next few months, probably, and be satisfied with that. There you go. And hope, I'll I'll hope they make a fifth one someday. But if not, two great games is you know that's good enough. I think nowadays these games can prosper, you know, where you, you like we were talking about before, you, you've got a wider, you know, access to audiences by not having to print a bunch of expensive copies of games. You can just put it out digitally. And I think even Valkyria Chronicles 4 was a was a discounted title at launch. And it might have been digital only. I don't remember seeing in stores. It didn't last long in stores. But that's the other beauty of it being available digitally is that like, even if it was still in stores, like it's going to be limited now. Like there's no way they did another print, but yeah, you can just grab it online. That's really cool. Um, I'm, I'm interested to hear about, uh, astral chain, but before we talk about that, let's talk about persona five, because this is a game 
that yourself and our good friend Josh had uh, talked about very uh, a lot when it came out. And and I am I remembering that correctly? You had played this at launch, right? Not quite at launch, but it was maybe probably not even a month after. So I guess actually maybe it was closer to launch than I think. Yeah, because it came out in May 2017. Sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. Spring, spring ish, you know. And yeah. I remember when it came out, and, and I, you know me, I love very Japanese games. I I, I like the idea of anime and RPGs and uh, wacky unique situations that characters are put in and persona 5 is all that and i just i stayed away from it for some reason and i, and I think it's one of those things where i for some reason with that game said no i don't have time for a 100 hour rpg i don't care how many people say it's the best game ever i just i can't play it right now um, i mean i was i was kind of actively discouraging you from playing it for that reason yeah, yeah. as much as i loved it i knew that it would just it would just be really tough for you to actually be able to play the game because it is very long. Yeah, and I'm not saying that, like, it's one of those things where, you know, I just, I, I stayed away from it, and I did a good job at staying away from it for, you know, two years. But really looking back, I didn't do that with any other games. Persona 5 was the one that, you know, it's like, say, oh, I'm going to... I'm gonna go for go for walks at lunch at work f- from now on out, and then you do it like once, and then hey, I did it. You know, I I, I avoided the hundred hour RPG, but then totally went and bought, gosh, whatever came out like the next month and was a large game. So I I think Persona Five got you know it got a bum rap from this weird, you know, strong moment from Ryan, and it was on sale a couple weeks ago. I think it was like 20 bucks Canadian, under $20 Canadian on PlayStation on the PlayStation store cuz it is it is an exclusive still. And I picked it up and everyone was like, "Yeah, that, that's a great price. Like it's essentially a steal for the amount of content, right?" Oh, definitely. Yeah, so I picked it up for 20 bucks and I I made a pact. I said, "Okay, uh, I've got Jim coming on the show in 2 weeks. I'm going to get through the first palace, which we'll we'll explain in a second, but I even went as far to be like, okay, this is my vacation game. I was on vacation last week. We went to the cottage, or a cottage, and I wasn't sure what they'd have there because we had rented an Airbnb. And I, I decided, well, kids need to watch Paw Patrol. They, they want to watch their shows uh, for their downtime. I'm going to bring the PlayStation 4, and then I can play Persona 5 while we're being quiet when the kids are asleep because it was a smaller cottage. And yeah, I played a bunch of Persona 5 while I was on vacation. And I got to say, everything people were saying two years ago totally stands up. That that game is phenomenal. The music's amazing. The art style's amazing. The setup for the characters is really good. I really like the main characters. I think it's really tough to look at the art in passing when I was when I was looking at this game when it came out. and And you really don't get the full you know scope of those characters like you really have to get the interactions even early on to really understand like what makes them so cool and so special and yeah I, i'm i've completed the first palace in the sense that i've i've conquered uh kamoshida's uh desires i've stolen his heart he has confessed and i have i don't know quote unquote saved the day i guess we went for we went for a buffet that was really interesting me and my characters <laughs> 
(laughs) The game is so weird. It's like we beat a boss and then the characters are like, how do we celebrate? Oh, I know. We'll go to a very expensive hotel and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll just we'll just have buffet. And then there's literally like a 20 minute scene of you guys getting a buffet. (laughs) Well, if you think about like if you were in high school and your friends pulled off this crazy stunt mm-hmm. saved yourself from expulsion all that kind of stuff defeated the bad guy ended up with a bunch of money at, at, after it what would you do that, exactly You'd probably go spend it on some crazy thing it's exactly what i would do and i love the way the game throws these unlikely characters together because the main character uh who who you get to name but his his persona name is is joker and he uh or i guess his phantom thieves anyways there's a lot of stuff in this game but he is this character that has been uh moved to a new location and he's staying with some crabby coffee shop owner and you're staying above you're basically on probation i think and uh you're you're thrust into the school you meet uh i don't know the names because they're all they're all japanese and i'm trying to remember i think it's sakamoto is that the character skull yeah uh ryuji sakamoto yeah so the they kind of introduce you to their last names first and then you get their their first names uh, maybe and anyways sakamoto and he's really cool because he, you get to know him and you start to discover this weird third like weird plane of existence where uh you know people's dark desires are inhabited and you learn that this teacher is like doing some terrible crap to these terrible stuff to these students and you're essentially the core concept is that you and a bunch of other students are going to steal his desires uh to be able to make him confess to the terrible things he's doing in the real world and that's kind of the setup for at least the first part of the game and and again like Really enjoying it. Love the the style, and I I guess now I can really appreciate Joker being added to Smash because when that came out, I was kind of like, uh, what's this, you know? But I feel like now I can go back and really enjoy that DLC for Smash because I kind of know where it's coming from now. Like, there's a lot to it now that I kind of understand the characters, right? So yeah, I'm yeah. having a good time with it. Yeah, and from what you said with your conversation on Dungeon of Diapers with Crofton. You haven't even gotten to Mementos yet, which is what the stage in Smash is based off of. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's I'm... just a whole another aspect of the game. Yeah, I, I definitely want to keep playing. Um, this is, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see myself finishing the game. But one of the questions I had on Dungeons & Diapers, because I didn't realize this, but Crofton's a huge Persona fan as well. And... I didn't realize, like, it felt like they introduced the whole cast pretty quick. They got you up to four party members really quickly. You have, uh, you know, your main character, Joker. Then you meet Morgana, who is this, like, weird cat. So I'm looking forward to, like, figuring out who the hell she is or he is. And uh, because you can't really tell. Everyone calls her a guy, but he sounds, I I don't know. It's hard to tell. But then there's, like, Skull, who's another character that you meet in the school. That's Sakamoto. And then another one, the final one, which is Panther. Uh, I think her first name's An or something. So, like, they they introduce all those characters right away, and they're all really great, and they do... It doesn't feel forced. It all kind of fits, because they all have the, uh, like, core issues with this teacher, Kamoshida, right? So... Then I was asking Crofton, like, okay, well, it feels like they've introduced the core cast. Is Are there more characters, and how does, like, swapping out work? Because I, I would be really bummed if I had to, like, 
bench some of these characters and he said oh yeah there's more characters and some of which are like fan favorites that you haven't even met yet so like are there characters coming forward like i guess i'll build on that question are there more characters coming forward that you felt like you know kind of went above the characters i currently have like are really worth seeking out that sort of thing yes the third palace has my favorite of the other party members okay cool um but there's going to be seven main party members in total mm-hmm. and plus an eighth that is sort of a special case because oh. if you actually if you watch the intro you'll see seven different people um like shown as part of the intro and that's your main party members hmm okay yeah i i want to play more i'm i think i'm heading i've got my second target for the second palace which is like some ceo or something and um well that's just them having a conversation about like who they would ideally go after next oh okay um it's, yeah it's not a choice that you actually make you don't i mean really in the game you don't have any sort of choices as far as affecting the story it's a honest. linear linear experience yeah. then, in that sense yeah, yeah you have different responses you can choose in conversations but it it all leads to the same spot except mm-hmm. for one point where if you choose the wrong thing it ends the game <laughs> okay so it, it, that... it, it does it warns you about it oh interesting okay is that near the end or is that at the beginning like one of those like secret ending um, things it is probably about two-thirds of the way through the game interesting it is actually where the current timeline that you're playing catches up with the um the flashbacks yeah so there's this weird like flashback sequence where as you're starting the game you're already heavy into the phantom thieves and you're you're caught essentially and this is the first 15 minutes of the game um it's one of those instances where they it's kind of metroid in the sense that they give you all the powers they run you through the combat you experience a, a good chunk of like you know exploration and not exploration but traversal in the dungeon type areas like x to action jump and then a little bit of combat a little bit of personas uh and then and then they kind of like they capture you and you're being interrogated and it's really hard to tell what was going on and then you slowly kind of get comfortable within the world of the flashbacks and the and the sort of the conversations in the police station i I know it's probably building to something but it it's kind of gobbledygook to me now like i'm not really sure i get it like you know we've all done a bunch of our group has done a bunch of stuff to some very specific people a lot of us have turned up so there's a pattern there and now we've been captured so i get it but i'm really curious to see where that leads but as of right now i'm i'm more focused in on like building relationships with these characters because i find that's one thing i find it does really it does really it does better than fire emblem in the sense that there are clear benefits to forming you know re- uh, relationships with these characters and, and building out those friendships uh, whereas in Fire Emblem, I think it's just like some stat boosts if you're near each other in combat and and story. But in this one, you get story and like tangible benefits, like actual combat skills and stuff. Yeah, some of them are very important. Like the like every character gets the ability to knock out like bad status effects on other characters at some point, mm-hmm. which is extremely helpful in like tougher fights. Plus yeah, various other things. Well, I really like the way the palaces are set up in the sense that it's kind of like you have to watch your resources as you go through and you have to kind of sometimes call it. So you have to get it to a checkpoint and then call it for, for a day and then come back because you, you have to use items to recover your HP. Well, you can use your 
skills to recover your HP while you're in the dungeon, but you can't, as far as I know, there's no skills to re recover SP. That wouldn't really make a lot of sense. Um, there are items, but uh, it, it's kind of interesting in that aspect as you're kind of progressing through these palaces, right? Yeah, there are there are items that recover SP, but they're pretty limited until like late game. Mm -hmm. So in the early palaces, it is very difficult to actually get through all in one go because you are just going to run out of SP at some point. Yeah. So it's definitely not like it's not meant to be an easy run through the palaces because it gives you usually like two weeks or more of in-game time. And every day, if you want to, you can go to the palace, though then you don't get a chance to do like side activities that raise your social stats or build relationships and such. So it's all a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like the aspect of, of kind of picking your battles and deciding where you want to go. Um, I'm, you know, I was able to build some, you know, bond with, uh, with Sakamoto, but I, I don't know if I could talk to Anne. She was kind of like, Oh, you know, she wanted to focus on the palace or something, and, but maybe I need to build. I think there was a hint. I think I needed to build up my kindness or something, but I'm still yes. working my way through it. Yeah, sometimes you can't go to the next level of confidant without having one of your social stats raised up. Mm -hmm. But also on, yeah, she's not available for like social stuff until like after you're done with the whole, that whole section with the first palace. Yeah. It's generally like that. When you, like each, the first five palaces introduce a new character to your party. Mm -hmm. And for the duration of like that palace period, you can't actually do any circle stuff with them. Oh yeah. And for, you know, for story reasons, it makes perfect sense. Like it, we don't necessarily have to go into it here, but yeah, like for story reasons, on is, you know, distracted from wanting to go have sushi or go to the arcade or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I... I really, I don't know, I'm just really digging it, and it's a game that I feel like if I had done a little bit more research um, and watched, you know, kind of, you know, poured more into it to kind of see what it was like, I would have really enjoyed it. But I'm glad I'm playing it now, uh, and I feel like the way Persona games are released, I'll have plenty of time to beat this one before a proper Persona sequel comes out. I know there's Persona 5 Royale or Royal coming next year, Um I'm curious to see how that one adds a new main protagonist without completely changing the story. Like, is Royal going to be like a new main story, or are they just doing a gender swap and instead of being a guy, you're a girl? Um, it's not a new protagonist. It's just a new party member. Oh, so she's not the main character? I figured she was the main nope. character. Nope, she's just one more person you get in your party at some point. Oh. In the the game goes into like a third semester of school. So it's probably going to be substantially longer. Hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, the main story shouldn't really change at all, but there's going to be kind of the journey is going to be a bit different. There's going to be just more stuff. Okay. That's really cool. Well, I, yeah. I will definitely look into it more. Like I, I don't think I'll pick up Royal. Like I'll probably play through persona five, but um, I'm really enjoying it, and I I actually while I was uh, checking out Banjo Kazooie, which we'll talk about, you know, later on in the show with uh, the Nintendo announcements uh, for Smash, I was playing Banjo Kazooie, but then I realized there's like a sound section, and I went in and just listened to all the Persona music. Like that's how into this game I am. Like I'm I'm kind of like ignoring this weird crazy thing that's happening in Smash and just listening to Persona music on on my Switch and. <laughs> 
it's, I, it's amazing I, music i bought the soundtrack yeah actually that's not a bad idea to be honest i could use a good working soundtrack and i feel like that music will be just like popping around like do 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 the level up the music that you get after battle honestly the best music after battle that i've ever seen including final fantasy i think in general i think final fantasy has like a very clear like end of battle music this one tops that just by just just as a hair but it's it's above it's above it um yeah it's yeah the one thing i did want to say about persona in general mm-hmm. that i love the gameplay i love the story all that kind of stuff but i think the best part of that game is the atmosphere like yeah the music the sound design in general the art it is just all incredibly good yeah and sometimes i feel like i want to play the game not to actually do like gameplay stuff really i just want to be in the game because it is just wonderful so wonderfully done Mm -hmm. yeah the the menus uh the way scenes transition i think even even the way the so here's the other thing like we were talking a little bit about you know fire emblem and in comparison to persona 5 fire emblem looks like a bunch of mannequins kind of slowly moving across the screen and and that's not and that that is a severe sort of like um over over uh simplification but when you look at the way the persona 5 characters move around they put a lot of effort into those those animations like they're not like perfect but they they do a lot of work to make those characters emote even though you know it's similar to to fire emblem where it's it's just talking heads right but they do a lot of work to kind of make those characters flow well and animate smoothly and i was really impressed by that because again like it's not something i expected with a hundred hour rpg you kind of expect the characters to kind of move more i don't know more mannequin-y and especially with this game being a you know a cross-generation ps3 ps4 game you know like it's built on a core system that works on both uh both of those consoles right yeah they did a, a really great job of just squeezing out like the maximum um graphical quality from a graphics engine that can still run on the ps3 Mm -hmm. which is something that you know fire emblem kind of looks like it's more ambitious than the switch can handle at times yeah it doesn't look bad but it's definitely you know you just see the characters sometimes some of the textures and such it's like yeah you're trying a little too hard maybe like this would look fantastic on a ps4 probably but Switch isn't quite there for what it needs for the graphics engine they're trying to put out. Mm-hmm. But Persona 5 just avoids that. It was a you know, very highly stylized graphics engine, but it works out perfectly. Mm-hmm. No, I, am, I'm, I love the way it looks, and, and it's a great... Once I got used to the sort of like the way it says and sort of the checkpointing, um, it became kind of my favorite game to boot up. And it works really well in chunks. Like, I feel like I can go through one day and, like, depends on what you're doing like if you're not going to the palace you can get through a day in like 20 minutes 30 minutes and it feels like you're accomplishing something uh every time but even in the palaces like you can easily save every time on every floor at least in the first one so i'm i'm also enjoying it as a pick up and play and it doesn't need to be like even though it's a hundred hour rpg similar to fire emblem i can play for an hour and feel like i've accomplished something and it's not like i have to sit like the witcher 3 like sit for an hour you know sift into it and then start playing you know and need like three or four hours like a build up a play and then a build down kind of thing 
whereas Persona 5 is very easy in blips and, and blurps, you know? So Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, we got to talk about that one, but I'm really curious about your time in Astral Chain because I picked this one up uh, and I played just to get a taste of it because I knew you had been playing it and I got a taste of it. I, I went through the first chapter and sort of got into the, the world after that. But you've played quite a bit, so I'm curious what your thoughts are on Astral Chain, which is a, a Switch exclusive from Platinum. Yep, it's funny. It's, this is a very um, anime-heavy show. Yeah, so far. I mean, <laughs> uh, you, we could, we could, if we if we skipped over the next game and we went straight into the anime-only news, we could very much <laughs> make this an anime show. Don't worry, we we got some reprieve coming up, folks. Don't worry. Yeah, we're not even really touching on Fire Emblem since you've covered that pretty extensively on the show but just very very quick my opinion on the game i'm almost to the end of part one game is very good i love it um it is it absolutely is worth all the hype it gets and i'm really looking forward to playing more yeah but there's really not a whole lot to say that you haven't already said on the show yeah and and i know uh jocelyn has expressed interest in me coming back on and talking about the other playthroughs and i think that and the dlc might be what brings the game back on because i think you can usually tell when i'm talking about games on the show those are the games i'm playing so if i bring up fire emblem it's because i'm that's all i'm playing and i really have time for one game unless i kind of like sort of cue them up a bit and i think persona 5 and and some of these other titles they're a good example of games i've been playing over the last couple weeks waiting to talk about them but uh i i love about fire emblem in that we've we've sort of it's sort of infected the general chat in gamers in the gamers in discord in the sense that some people are talking about fire emblem outside the fire emblem channel and that's very much like a fire emblem thing to do like it's been a while since we've had a mainline game and we created that fire emblem channel specifically because of the like the smartphone game uh but because fire emblem's kind of like this it's big it's back uh, a lot of people are talking about it so it, it's kind of taken over the the, the entire discord in, in a sense so i'm really happy you're playing it and i'm really happy you're enjoying it for sure yeah it's it's probably it's probably a legitimate game of the year contender as far as like the big award shows go because i mean really this year there hasn't been that much in the way of like really big releases that i can think of yeah i think you know last year sony kind of dominated with you know god of war and spider-man like talking about triple a like high level games that a lot of people sought after i think nintendo's sort of got the top spot with uh with some of their titles that have come out um i think control remedies new game is really good but it's it's not it's not one of those games that kind of rises above because i think to be a game of the year contender you have to be a really good game but you have to be unique in some fashion and I think God of War had that unique spin on it, and Spider-Man had that unique but great game spin on it, and I think Fire Emblem has that as well. It, I mean, it'll be interesting, and I don't think there's anything coming out this fall like Gears Five, like it's it's another yeah. Gears game, right? Yeah, Borderlands Three, maybe, but it is just another Borderlands game. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to play it; they're going to love it. I'll buy it at some point, but probably not for full price. But you know, it. It could win game of the year in a kind of a slow year for like majorly hyped releases, but you know, it's not the same as like last year when we were looking ahead to Red Dead Redemption 2 coming out. Because everybody knew that was going to be a big one, that that was going to be a contender. Yeah. And I mean, this year you've got 
I mean, you've got Link's Awakening, so it's another Zelda game, but it's but it's a remake of a of an old mobile one or handheld one, and then you've got Pokemon. Pokemon, which I mean, that's that's another one that like I feel like Pokemon is sort of like in the same vein as Gears Five. It's like it's a great game, but it's another one of those, and it's it, it takes a very special rendition of that franchise to rise above some of these other. And I know I know Three Houses is a sequel in a fran there is a new entry in a franchise that has been around since the 90s but three houses is a very much a new addition to that franchise in the sense that they've added that whole school portion to it and and you know true reasons to play through multiple times with multiple paths like there's a lot going for it and i'm not just speaking as a as a blind fanboy here i, I think you're right it's definitely a high a high up there for contender for game of the year Oh, okay, yeah. Astral Chain. Yeah, what's... Uh, I'm this curious. Game, I'm not even entirely sure why I bought it, other than the <laughs> fact that I was buying Fire Emblem at Walmart and Astral Chain was also $50, so I'm just like, why not? Because this isn't really the type of game I'm normally into, these like crazy action games like Bayonetta, Devil May Cry. Mm-hmm. I've barely played those at all. Well, just a little bit like the Bayonetta 2 demo is my entire experience, and it didn't really quite feel like this for me. It's like, you know, crazy action combo combat and stuff. But it just looked really cool. I was hearing really good things. Heard about, like, having an amazing soundtrack. So I just went for it. I'm very glad I did. Because this game is nuts. <laughs> Anime nuts. Like, well, it's, it's funny. In some, like, graphically, very, very anime. <laughs> and it's got... Compared to like Valkyria Chronicles and Fire Emblem, or even Persona, there's like, it has more of those kind of like crazy Japanese quirks. Like your your office manager runs around in a giant dog costume and but pretends that the dog is a completely different person and like acts that out the whole time. And there's this whole like little side thing with its toilet fairy that's always asking for like more toilet paper and you have to find a toilet in every chapter of the game to get more for her. So, you know. Japan being Japan. Mm-hmm. That's what they but, do. But as far as like the dialogue, like the, the the writing, the story, it's not really as anime as like Valkyrie Chronicles or Fire Emblem Three Houses. Or, um, but yeah, Persona 5 is not really anime either as far as like writing. No, like, it's very, you know, Persona, yeah, yeah. Persona could easily, you could easily just like change some things and set it in New York City or something and it wouldn't matter that much. But yeah, so, but Astral Chain's story and dialogue isn't like the crazy silly anime dialogue and stuff like that. But what it is, is like big monsters and explosions and crazy visual effects all over the place, which is very anime. Anyway, I'm kind of just all over the place with this. Well, it's it's oh. interesting because what I've played of Astral Chain, so it's a so like I said, it's a Switch exclusive, and it's by the developers of Bayonetta, and the world is being invaded by demons. And and stay with me here, folks. The world's being invaded <laughs> by demons. You play as one of two twins uh, whose father works for an organization, a secret organization uh, that is also affiliated with the police, and you're. And I'm probably not helping. You're being, you get recruited into this organization that fights these demons that come from another world that are taking over your world. And in order to combat them, you have to use literally the astral chain to, I'm, 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 they don't use the word, but I'm pretty sure you're like 
you're Pokemoning these things and you're using them to fight your battles, but you literally have them chained to you. But when you chain them, they like they turn into like Chase from the Paw Patrol and they just put on like a like a police outfit. <laughs> they're still demons, um, but I yeah, mean, they are. They're called legions, but they are mm-hmm. just captured chimeras. Is the name of the bad ones? Yes, thank you. They are just they are controlled by the astral chain, and actually, a part of what happens later in the story is them getting out of getting loose from some of the trainers. Oh, but um, yeah. But the basics is you know, you've got you get. Uh, I just want to say that this has the best intro sequence to a game I've ever played. Yeah, the the, the intro is so very good. solid. Yeah. It's like you do this cutscene, and then it transitions into you on this motorcycle going down a tunnel that's like part credits, but then you start actually like moving and shooting these enemies that are appearing and such, and there's this crazy music in the background that sounds like you're about to go fight the final boss or something. It is just it is just like um, pedal to the metal right away. It's bananas. It's, and, uh, yeah. it, and then it, you... You get off the motorcycle and you start fighting and such, and it slows down a little bit. It's the first chapter is basically a tutorial, mm-hmm. but it's still like very, very intense. It's like you're just thrown right into this huge crisis right away. Well, yeah, the world's ending around you, and it, you're being called to this, this, you know, situation. And i i didn't I didn't get the sense that your characters were overly surprised by these chimeras. Like, I think the world knows about the. They didn't know about the chimeras. Okay. There's, they, there's these things called aberrations, which are like corrupted humans. They're familiar with them, but until they actually get control of legions, they can't even see the chimeras. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. these chimeras are invisible. So, um... yeah. Which, yeah. And yeah, most people can't see your legion. So you actually like, you're going around the world and helping people and stuff, and they have no idea how you're doing like crazy stuff mm. because they can't actually see your legion that's doing all of it. Which is really got to be weird when you get the Legion that's um, like a beast and you can ride it. It's like, what does that look like to other people? Are you just riding some like invisible horse or something? Yeah, you're like uh, Wonder Woman in the Invisible Jet. <laughs> yeah, but okay, I'll try to um, get a little more focused on what the game's all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, once you get into Chapter 2, you get into like the normal flow of the game where you're at headquarters. You can run around, talk to people, do some training stuff like that and then you start your mission it's mostly linear not entirely because there's times you get out into the world and you can just kind of wander around in semi-open spaces but for the most part it's pretty linear you get your mission you go out to some location and from there you might do some like investigation um you know talking to people witnesses trying to figure out what's going on tracking chimeras and then Eventually, yeah, one way or another, you end up fighting. And the combat is both really fun and kind of awkward. Because you're not... You have, you know, your own weapon, which can be either, like, a, a, a kind of, you know, police baton or a gun. It transforms between the two from melee to ranged. Hmm. But you're also controlling your legion to some extent. You kind of leave it on its own to fight. There's a lot of, like, special moves you can do to, like... You can wrap the... You can wrap the chain around an enemy to stun them. If an ch- enemy is about to dash, you can move your legion so it's between, like, the path of the enemy goes between you and your legion so it gets caught in the chain, which is very hard to do, by the way. <laughs> because you're, it's like you control yourself with the left stick, and then your right stick is normally your camera control, 
But if you hold down the ZL button, that trans the right stick becomes Legion movement. Oh. Which can be very difficult to keep track of because then you don't have camera control anymore, which is part of the awkwardness problem. And like many third person action games, it's not always that great at, you know, giving you the best camera angle. Mm-hmm. So that's where the awkwardness comes in. It can be very difficult, at least for me, because I'm not this isn't my type of combat at all. I'm not very good at it. So it's going to be tough to actually like pull off all these special moves and techniques and such. But luckily the game, even though I'm playing on the standard difficulty, it's not really that hard. Like I keep getting bad grades. Like I'm often getting D's on some of these big combat things, but I'm usually never in danger of like, you know, having to die and restart the game, hmm. which is nice. So it's it's a pretty good mix of combat difficulty. No, that's really cool. Again, I, I only played the intro, but I think the intro really showcases what Platinum's really good at, and that's creating these epic set pieces. And what you're describing is another thing Platinum's really good at is is building these wild and wacky combat systems that would only exist in this specific you know offering of Astral Chain. And and yeah, I'm really looking forward to get, getting into the combat and kind of experiencing more of the complexities of it. Uh, because I think in the intro, you really just get the bare minimum of Legion control. Because you literally just get a Legion uh, pretty early on. And I felt the one thing I will suggest before we move on is uh, when you get the Legion for the first time and you put that thing on your arm to capture, like that is essentially like the astral chain holding thing. It kind of felt like a scene right out of Yu-Gi-Oh when they put like the uh, the card holder on their their arms and then they like kind of push forward and they do the whole anime like camera zoom out thing and it's like we're ready go and it, it's it's wild it's wild and if you have a switch yeah. and you want more anime in your life Astral Chain seems yeah. like the thing to get yeah it's it's a lot of fun it can be sometimes the pacing is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Because the exploration can kind of go on for a while, and then suddenly you're thrust into like these crazy combat situations. But then you you often go to like the astral plane, which is the other side of the gates these chimeras come through, and you don't actually fight that often. Like there's a lot of just kind of walking around, and then like mild platforming, puzzle solving, because your legion has different abilities you can use. And as the game goes on, you get access to other legions, which have different abilities. So it's a matter both in and out of combat of figuring out like which legion needs to do you need to do like a thing to get to a platform or to counter what an enemy is doing and sometimes it's not always entirely clear in combat like what you actually need to do you just kind of end up running around dodging attacks until you actually figure it out or the game gives you some sort of hint but like i said it's not too punishing with combat but this is a game I really want to see somebody speed run. <laughs> that's going to be nuts. I think uh, if someone got real, like Bayonetta was one of those games that feels very similar in terms of like the complexity of combat and set pieces. And yeah, I think a speed run of Astral Chain would be just it probably more interesting than a, than a Bayonetta speed run. I'm sure they'll exist. I, I think games done quickly whenever they do their next one. I mean, I could see Astral Chain being one of those games that someone tries to tackle. Because that's kind of the idea of the charity is to do something like wild and wacky, right? To bring in more viewers. So I would really love to see that. I think the next one is January or February. Mm -hmm. 
So by then, I'm sure there's going to be speedrunners for doing the game, so hopefully they'll have it on there. But, oh, yeah, well, um, check it out. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned that I'm playing on the standard difficulty, which is the highest one you can play in your first playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, after you clear a chapter, you can go back and play it on ultimate difficulty. But there's also casual, which is easier, and that also gives you the option of what they call unchain mode, where the game just does the combat for you. Right. So if you're interested in experiencing the game, seeing the story. I really like the story, by the way. It's actually quite good. I think the the English voice acting is mediocre, but the actual writing is good. Though, like, I'm playing with Japanese voices, oh, which okay. I pretty much always do in these games. But that's, it's kind of a negative. Because like, if you remember on the motorcycle scene at the beginning, they're talking to you while you're on the highway fighting. Mm-hmm. So if you... And this happens throughout the game in combat where there'll be like somebody on the radio talking to you while you're fighting. So if you're using Japanese voices and you don't speak Japanese, then you're trying to read subtitles in the middle of very chaotic combat, (laughs) which is kind of a problem. I not as so much that I want to use the English voices, but it is definitely something to kind of think about if you're like on the fence about it is that's the game where it might be better to use English just because you don't get distracted by you trying to read subtitles at the wrong time. Yeah. I feel like, you know, playing through with Japanese uh, voice acting and English subtitles is kind of like your second playthrough or or maybe, but I think with this one, I I, I see the aspect of it of like having, you know, the, the true developers sort of look because you're right. The, the English VO is, eh, it's, it's not bad, but it's not great. Like, I think the Fire Emblem and Persona voice acting is stellar. Uh, some of it's some of the Fire Emblem stuff, so okay. But uh, but Persona 5 has some really good stuff. But Astral Chain, yeah, it's pretty mediocre. But it ri- reminds me a lot of the, the Bayonetta stuff, too. Like, not, not 100%, but certainly trying to get there. Um, but you're, the yeah. fact that your main character, like, just grunts and groans in Astral oh, Chain but, is a little weird. Yeah, there's two other annoyances I have. Mm-hmm. One is that whether you're using Japanese or English um, voice act, voice acting, the lip syncing on the characters doesn't match at all. <laughs> like, they will like, the and not just like, as far as forming the words, it doesn't match like, the length of time the animated lip syncing is going on, doesn't match the length of the time they're talking. So is it just is it just like, Muppets, just flappy mouth kind of thing? It's kind of normal, like, anime you know, anime style mouth movements. Like the animation itself is fine. Mm. It's just they didn't bother to actually time it correct to match the voices. It's just really weird. And it's like when you start to notice it, you're like always noticing it. Though um, I think Japanese voices helps a little with that because then you're concentrating more on reading subtitles than watching what's going on. <laughs> but but the other thing is that it is a silent protagonist game, like Fire Emblem, like Persona. But unlike those games, they do it pretty poorly. Because you, there's no dialogue choices, so you're essentially never actually talking, never responding to anything. So you just end up with this really weird, like you know, just you're just communicating through like nods and grunts and salutes. So it makes it really awkward when people are like talking to you and you're essentially not responding ever, which is. I mean, it's not a deal breaker or anything, but it is something where I'm like, you know, why couldn't you just voice me? It would really be a lot better. Yeah, 
I don't know. I don't know. And and the funny thing is, you get to like you said, you get to choose between you know the male twin and the female twin, and then when you play, uh, your your at least in the intro, your brother is, or your sister is fully voice acted. Like whoever you didn't pick is fully voice acted. So I feel like, well, if you're gonna give them the opposite, your brother, your sibling, a voice, then you can't really say it's like to put you in the character because, I mean, you already. You already have the actor in there. You're doing the VO. Like I, I know you, you you couldn't make both of them silent, depending on which one you picked. But honestly, I feel like I, I that's my, one of my one criticisms of at least what I played, which is very minimal, is that it was weird that you know the one your your chosen character was silent, even though the other supposedly chosen character is 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 uh, is very vocal um, and a kind of an annoying. Oh, they they are they get very annoying. I do. I don't like them. Um, somebody, I think it was um, one of the regular TGI listeners. I think it was Opera mm-hmm. saying something on Twitter about like I'm not sure who the bad guy is in this in this game, and I'm like, it's your um, sibling because they're just annoying. And I want them to go away. <laughs> yeah, they're but, not. Uh, yeah. They're not great. Yeah, and it doesn't help that you can choose a custom name, even though it never really gets used. I haven't seen it. My name actually get used at all in the game. But it just means that because you can choose a custom name, the other people are never addressing you by name, which kind of makes the whole thing worse. Mm. Yeah, that's true. But, and they don't do they, yeah. like do they like kind of work around it, like call you guy or person or what do they do? Uh, they just kind of refer to you as like you, <laughs> or sometimes right. refer, because your your dad is the captain of the squad, they'll just refer to you as like you know the kids or whatever. Ooh. It's I mean, it happened in Fire Emblem with just calling you Professor, but it's just written better in that game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's minor quibbles like that, and the awkward combat, you know, make it not an amazing game. And it's certainly the reason I've stuff like that is the reason I've played a lot more Fire Emblem. But I'm I'm gonna finish the game. I do really like it. I if you think you'd like it at all, I'd recommend it. Mm-hmm. Even though this is a game that desperately needs a demo. Like that first chapter would be perfect as a demo. Oh yeah, you could easily like yeah, you could easily and I could see them doing a demo. I think um, Platinum's been very open to demos of their products. I think Bayonetta, Bayonetta and Bayonetta Two had a had a demo. I know Bayonetta One did, and yeah, yeah Bayonetta I, Two did as well on the Wii U. Oh okay, I played yeah. that. Well, there yeah, you go. I mean, that's. I mean, I'm just annoyed by that in general by the games industry of the past. 15 20 years as they've just gotten away from demos i don't know why it's like why don't you let people try your game yeah i don't i think it like some people would argue it's extra work but i think it's a marketing tool like put it in your budget i think it's worth the effort you know uh especially if it's nintendo published right like you might as well yeah just get nintendo pay for it (laughs) yeah so many games have like astral chain have just intro chapters where you know it's not you're not really having to create anything extra for the demo other than, you know, just programming the general structure of it being a demo. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just give us the first chapter. And yeah. then just be like, the first chapter is great, wasn't it? Buy this game now. Yeah. Like, I, and I mean, the way I know it's different across the, you know, across the countries and, and, and different locales in terms of internet speeds. But personally, like, I don't know if there's a, like a, a security reason for not just you downloading the whole game and then, it's just a timer if you're playing it for free. 
Like, isn't that how the demos are going to work for Stadia? Like, they just kick you out after an hour. I, I feel like I I'd be fine so. downloading the whole game and then having it yeah. boot me out after an hour, right? There actually was a flaw with Yakuza 6, oh. where the first couple of days with the demo, you could actually play the entire game. Okay. But, so you got to kind of, you know, test for bugs and stuff like that. But, I mean, the tech is there because they have preloads for a lot of, you know, a lot of games. You can download it in advance, and there's not a big issue with people being able to hack that. So I don't really think that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, you're right. I think this game would, this first chapter would do well as a demo. I paid, uh, you know, sixty bucks for the demo, so I'm looking forward to keep going with it. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's definitely on the list uh, contender for 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 the next game. I, I really sink my teeth into before uh, Link's Awakening launches in a couple weeks. But um, another game that I, I made sure to put on my list to talk with you about was Rebel Galaxy Outlaw because it was one you were talking about on in the discord is looking forward to i remember the original rebel galaxy you and i uh you played a lot of it you loved it and then got me hooked on it um we probably won't talk long about rebel galaxy a lot because we got some news to chat about but pre-show we were talking and I, I guess um for me i talked a bit about it and then hadn't gone back hadn't gone back to it on the show but there's just something about it and i and i feel like you and i kind of we we landed on the same chord right yeah, this was my most anticipated game for this year by far, mm-hmm. and has been disappointing to some extent, at yeah. least compared to my anticipation. I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I really loved Rebel Galaxy, and maybe because it was more simplified, but also more. It's hard to explain. Like Rebel Galaxy Outlaw feels more simplified in some natures where it's very it's very linear in the sense that like okay this mission is here you're gonna go do that mission get credits come back and the combats lock on uh your your auto pursuit you know auto uh you know traveling to each system and each jump point it feels very much like a hold a to transport cutscene cutscene hold a to transport and it kind of felt a little slower like i think they tried to make a larger world in Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, and that made them have to put in all these like shortcuts and travel systems and stuff. But in Rebel Galaxy, it did feel like a smaller world in space, but like at least all the interactions and flight, like that was you. That was my favorite part about Rebel Galaxy was holding that A button, going into hyperspeed, and like traveling. And you got to where you were going in a decent amount of time. Like it felt like a good chunk like a fun amount of time but in rebel galaxy outlaw you can do that but it feels like it would still it would take forever to get there like if you have the option to just jump you might as well jump right yeah i've i've put a lot of thought in this actually about okay. why like what's bothering me about this game and you've hit on some of the key points mm-hmm. the biggest issue i think is that well this is a very small studio this was five people the first Rebel Galaxy was only two people plus contract work. So they expanded the team a little bit, but it's still obviously a very, very small development team. And it feels like they built the framework for a almost like AAA title and then just didn't actually have the resources to fill it in. Because Sure, you've got all these different um, star systems to go to. I think there's probably like 30 or 40 of them compared to maybe a dozen or so in the first Rebel Galaxy, but 
there's not much in most of them. There's like two or three stations at most. Some of them are basically empties except for like a refueling station. And when you get right down to it, there's not really that much to do in this game other than doing kind of the same thing over and over. It's like you've got a few little like bar games like dice, slots, pool. The pool thing is actually pretty cool. But, or billiards, depending on which country you're in. But for most of the game is just go to a point, probably fight off some pirates, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. It's like you've got, and what you actually, what you said about using the autopilot is a big thing that I've kind of hit on is like a great convenience function that actually detracts from the game. Yeah. Because it makes everything feel almost trivial except you just keep getting randomly interrupted by pirates yeah like you have to jump you have to jump to another system oh there's pirates there you got to kill first mm-hmm. you go into a station yeah you might get stopped by pirates <laughs> or or religious yeah. zealots like yeah, those pop yes. up too and yeah i think you're right like the auto pursuit in combat was a necessary evil because you opened up the the z plane because in the first one it was just x and y like it was, uh, it was it, you were you were moving, you know, you weren't moving in three D space, and and that's where I liked uh, the re- the original Rebel Galaxy, and that it felt very much like I think it was described as like the Black Flag uh, uh, ship combat, but in space, mm-hmm. and that was really cool, and like made aiming a lot more strategic, and kind of like trying to broadside combat, and it didn't make a lot of sense in space per se because. Well, in space, you're going to use all the tools around you, which includes 3D space and being able to outmaneuver, you know, have dogfights, right? But in this one, they bring in 3D space. And I think it, you're right. Like, it's one of those things where they did it and they set it up right, but they had to put, you know, the auto pursuit is optional. But personally, I could not see myself being able to handle this game without it. Um, but yeah, it makes it feel a little like it's fun sometimes, but it gets old pretty quick and it's so it's devastating to talk about this because i I was really looking forward to it as well and i like the characters um the story missions are interesting so like going forward with the story missions those are more interesting because but you're right you're constantly interrupted by pirates but then you're also gated at those story missions in the sense that like they might be you know high difficulty and the way to get past that is well to do missions get money upgrade your ship buy new ships so there is always going to be that moment where you have to engage in the less than fun stuff. Whereas I, I do really like the story missions that I've played so far, like getting your first, um, your sort of buddy pilot, uh, Rick Richter. Is it Richter? Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't like him either. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, he's as far as like a guy you'd actually meet in real life, you'd hate him. As far as a character in video game goes, he's pretty fun. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like the first character you throw out there, he's not very likable. Like <laughs> the first time you meet him, he's like trying to rip off his brother in the company and and he's just he's got that like twang to him. He sounds like an old school country song personified uh or personified and it's just it's uh yeah, I wouldn't have led with that one. I don't know if any of the others are any better, but I just, he, there's something about his personality that just is like, not appealing, but yeah, I like the story missions, but you're right. It feels like there's a lot of other stuff in there that just isn't as fun to move through. And I've been pretty frustrated to the point where I've like alt F4'd the game because like 
I'm just trying to get finish a mission and I get you know interrupted by pirates and this is for the third time and I haven't visited a station I'm all out of ordnance and I have no way to combat these guys my my ship is a bucket of bolts and I explode and for some reason the game didn't save since like the last three jump points so I'm back to square one you know and that's super frustrating I get it's part of the game but I'm kind of glad you and I are on the same boat because I feel like this was one of those ones where we both really enjoyed Rebel Galaxy and I think they tried to I see where they were going with it but I think they tried to do too much I would have maybe preferred the same setup the same characters the same world but like a much more closer game to the original um I don't know yeah, the, the original felt like what it was mm-hmm. like a sm- very small scale game so I don't think it bothered you when there was you know more repetition not a whole lot of things to do but i kind of want to want to get back to what i say about the autopilot sure because one of the things i really loved in rebel galaxy was just picking up you know buying stuff on the commodities market at a station and just finding somewhere to sell it at a higher price mm-hmm. but having the autopilot makes that feel trivial but then well it's weird because it feels trivial because you it takes seconds to go to a different station so it's not like this whole interesting thing of like, yeah, do I really want to go multiple jumps and several stations away to try to sell this at a higher price when it's going to take me a while? You know, it's just sort of that like balancing of profit versus time, like how much you want to really want to spend doing it. But because the game is so much bigger, has all these different systems with very few stations in it compared to Rebel Galaxy, where there's probably like eight to ten stations in a lot of systems, it kind of feels like you're just wasting time pressing the a button like mm-hmm. you said yeah and then it's then it just gets annoying when you do get interrupted by pirates yeah and a lot of the missions you know most missions come down to either fighting pirates off somewhere or some kind of bad guys or doing like a trading run which hey guess what interrupted by pirates because that's how they make it more difficult i like the missions that you can do for the merchants guild where you have to actually it's like a much higher profit you have to actually go find all the material yourself Hmm. but then it's like it's kind of a pain in the butt to find the material because even though you do have the whole autopilot thing you do sometimes have to go several systems across with you know the requisite interruptions and it just makes it not fun to do the trading but let's see i think that's kind of the main issues i have oh and also when you are fighting pirates or interacting with um the police or whatever like that they've got they've all got voice lines and stuff and little images that show up on your um on your hud Hmm. but once you play the game for a little while you realize that it's a pretty small amount of voice lines they have recorded for these guys (laughs) yeah so it's just kind of the same thing over and over and yeah i'd be interested to see if they continue to update the game with more content um not that I want to see them kind of like break their backs over it, but I could see them doing more to flesh out the, the in-between um, because I think that's where it's lacking. Uh, but you're right. Like I, I, I was really, I was kind of bummed. Like I really expected this one to be the sequel everyone was hammering for. And it just, it felt like they, maybe they, like they did what, what they did. They did well. I, I hesitate to say they bit more off than they could chew, but like, I think they built these systems. They built the systems well, 
but you're right they're missing the extra bits to flesh out this additional content or uh, content holder that they've put in place so yeah it's a very polished game mm-hmm. oh yeah it runs really well it looks great uh you can skip all the cutscenes, and if you have it on an ssd like it's very quick um but yeah it's uh it's an epic games exclusive i i I mentioned that only in passing because that's not the reason we we weren't very into it i know some people have an issue with with that but um i think it's coming to switch later on like maybe in a couple months did they say yes i mean i think it is this year that's coming to all the consoles okay cool well i mean people Um, will be able to check it out there too right yeah i just want i didn't really talk about the combat at all yet Mm mm-hmm um combat is it's pretty fun mm-hmm. i think they do hamstring themselves a little bit by it being meant to be played on a controller because the auto pursuit is i mean like you said it's a necessary thing because you don't i've pl- i've tried like fighting without the auto pursuit and it's not great as you'd expect um because a, you know a controller is just not that precise so it's sort of like, you know, you, you without the auto pursuit, you keep the guy centered, then you move a little too far on the control stick and you go flying past him, stuff like that. And it's like the rest of the game, it feels a little repetitive. And I feel like the difficulty scaling is it's hard to find a happy medium. I feel like I'm always either getting destroyed or just, you know, everybody's a piece of cake. And part of the problem, I think, is that because I don't know if it's because it's a fighter thing instead of like the broadsides combat of the original game, or if it's just you know maybe some design decisions. Mm-hmm. But it feels like I can't do all that much to really like get better at the game to like deal with the tough combat situations. I, I don't feel like there's a lot of options other than just holding my afterburners to get away. Yeah. Compared to Rebel Galaxy, where I could use the deflectors, I could, um, I felt like I had more options for positioning or for like picking priority targets and such. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have that. And also, I think the controls for selecting a target kind of suck because you have to hold down the L button and then hit something on the D pad to like to go to the next target. And it's like, why couldn't we just use the D pad buttons for that and use? holding down L in the D-pad for switching weapons and stuff like that. It's just like a big... It's something you can't change. I found something very annoying with a controller because, like, you essentially have to take your control, your finger off your movement stick to switch targets, mm-hmm. which feels very inefficient. Yeah, like maybe a tie to one of the bumpers or something. Like, if you've you got multiple yeah. bumpers up there. I, yeah, like, I think it's one of those games where they tried to make something for your uh like your what do they call it? like the ho- the hodas setup like your joysticks your controller setup like all that stuff and they just i think well, they bit off more than they can chew with that yeah well they very specifically recommend game uh controller for it mm-hmm. they say it's a gamepad game that's the best way to play it i did play a little bit with my joystick um it worked okay it didn't feel I didn't give. An, I I need to actually go back and give it more time, but it didn't feel quite right. It felt a little imprecise, a little like mushy, maybe. Hmm. I can I can mess around with settings though. I need to actually talk to um, a frequent gamers in listener Tondagasa because I know that he just bought like a dual 
joystick setup, and he's been playing a lot of Outlaw. Okay. So I'm wondering how that's working for him, because he seems to be really liking the game. At least I haven't been on a stream lately, but from what I know, he's really enjoying it. So I wonder if he's kind of found something with the joystick setup that's maybe finding some of that elusive fun that I haven't been able to find yet. Yeah, like there's still something about the game that is is oddly like keeps pulling me back in. Like I played uh, I, over the last couple of weeks, I've kind of jumped in, trickled time in here and there. But I, I just I hope they they put some more into it and they kind of continue to support it. I I would hate to see you know this this game flounder after the first one was so awesome and did so well. And and I haven't played the first one in a while, so I may, maybe I'll go check it out again. But um, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. one thing. I'd- one last thing I do want to say about the game. Mm-hmm. Soundtrack, amazing. Yeah. yeah. There's all these different the radio stations with all this licensed music, and it's all just so good. It's yeah. got, like, some of the same bluesy stuff, like Southern Rock, that was, like, the only sound in the first game, but now there's a lot more variety. You just pick whatever station you want for the type of music you want. Mm-hmm. It's, it is just it is the best part of the game. Yeah, they did a lot of work to, to build out that music list and... Uh, the other thing that I really liked about it is that it is first person. So that was the other thing. It's first person. You have the option for third person, but first person offers the uh, the grand ability to see your character flip off bad guys. So honestly, yeah. <laughs> there's some really there's some really good flavor stuff going for this game, and I feel like with with a couple patches and some more you know content thrown in, I, and maybe some difficulty options like some of the games. Uh, some of these type of games like XCOM and, and stuff like that really benefit from sort of uh, gameplay tweaks where you can in the settings kind of say like, okay, if I'm doing you know certain certain things, like I don't want to be interrupted by X, Y, and Z. And, and you can turn off distress signals if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. And that's recommended early on because you're not going to be able to handle a good majority of them and you really don't want to get stuck in a bad situation. But I mean, I could see them supporting the game over the next couple of months and trying to address some of these concerns because i don't think uh, i don't think a majority of our major concerns are really like deal breakers in the sense that like there's no way they could fix them i know there are some that yeah, are absolutely. that are tough but yeah i just want it to be like 20 percent better in some aspects sure so they are they are releasing uh, releasing a mod kit for it in the next few months so mm. that'll give um you know, ambitious programmers, the chance to do all kinds of changes. I don't typically mod games, even like with all the stuff accessible on Steam, but this is a game where I definitely consider it. I, I would be interested in keeping an eye on the mod scene. Like, I'm like you, yeah. I don't normally mod my games. I find it's just too much hassle and it's a lot of work up front. And then two months later, I forget about that work and then the game's yeah. broken. <laughs> so, uh, because the mods are no longer supported. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm genuinely interested to see where this one goes uh, because I feel like the developers, you know, deserve uh, success with this one because it's there's a lot of like blood sweat, blood sweat and tears poured into this and some of the yeah, YouTube okay. guides that are out there from the developers. Uh, there's like a 45 minute video. If you're interested in the game, you should certainly check that out and it's available on the Rebel Galaxy YouTube channel. And they're just um, they just they're really passionate about this game and i think that's another positive that's going for it is that they're yeah they're not going to abandon this thing yeah the developer i, I, I love the developers mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple actually really positive things i have to say about them specifically mm-hmm. i was when i was trying to set up the joystick had an issue with like getting it to work properly and i went in the discord that they set up for the game 
and got an answer from a developer within like five minutes. Oh, wow. Because I had people in there all day answering people's questions, dealing with like, you know, like instant tech support and all that kind of stuff, which is awesome. But also, I mentioned that all the music is licensed. What they did is they paid extra for the licenses and all the music they could for in-context usage, which means that people that are using it for like, you know, Twitch streams or YouTube videos, they can still monetize it even though it's licensed music because they paid extra for the licenses that allow that. Mm -hmm. And there's some stuff that they couldn't get licenses for, but on the game launcher, you just click a little checkbox and it filters that stuff out if, if you want to use it for YouTube, whatever. So that's just, you know, really great. They didn't have to pay extra money for licenses. They didn't charge us extra for that or anything. You know, it's a reasonably priced game at 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you know, like, like we both said, really good developers, really passionate, deserving people. I, I just wish I liked the game more. Yeah, I'm in the same boat and um, I want to I wanna keep an eye on it. So, but yeah. yeah. I do plan I, to finish it eventually. Yeah, I'm... I'm definitely going to, you know, try to revisit it from time to time as it gets more updates. Similar like, I don't think it's on the scale of No Man's Sky. I don't want to, you know, equate oh, it no to that. More. But um, I would love to see the same sort of support. I don't, I, I think Rebel, I, I hate to bring it up in the same conversation, but I, I, I guess I got to finish my thought or people write in angry. Um, I think Rebel Galaxy Outlaw would benefit from like a bunch of smaller updates as opposed to like, locking themselves in an office and doing large updates once a year. I think, I think yeah, they, they don't need large updates. Really. No, no, the core, the core concept of the game is really good. And I think they just need to build it out a bit more, but um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe as updates come, we'll certainly keep tabs on it and definitely talk about it in the discord over at bit.ly slash TGI discord, where all your favorite listeners join in together and talk about fire emblem three houses and every chance. no i'm <laughs> kidding uh we talk about a lot of games there was a lot of chat chatter about uh some of the news topic we're going to talk about or briefly go over uh but if you want to support the show you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in i think for the last year and a bit i've been recording actually i think we're coming up on two years uh, i've been recording these i can't believe it's been that long recording these patreon minis which are little updates but they've kind of turned into I guess diaries of a sort where I kind of talk about the games I'm playing and and the content we're developing for uh, for the gamers in and summoners call. So if you're interested, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TheGamersIn and if you become a patron, you get access to those uh, those audio uh, blips early and you can actually add an RSS feed to your uh, your podcast player if you're a patron. But if you're not a patron, you can certainly check out Patreon.com/slash/TheGamersIn and listen to those little tidbits uh later on than the fine patrons get them uh but yeah let's talk about the nintendo direct uh there was a nintendo direct on i think it was yesterday no yes it was yesterday sorry it was wednesday i should say and they announced a bunch of stuff and we're gonna go through these just kind of like quick fire starting with the fact that the snes games are coming to nintendo switch online the app launched today thursday I got a bunch of tweets saying that it's live, so you can go download that right now. And it comes with 20 titles, which were the amount of titles that were on the SNES Classic Mini. So, not the same games, but a good chunk of those core classics like Super Mario World and Link to the Past, stuff like that. Are, are you interested in this? Uh, yeah, actually, well, I'm kind of interested. 
uh, before we recorded tonight, I did jump into that once I found out it was live. Mm-hmm. Played some Super Mario World, which is still fantastic. Played some F-Zero, which isn't. <laughs> that is... I mean, you know how it is with these old games. Yeah, they're some of them are just Some of them hold up really well, and others, it's like, why would you ever play F-Zero, to be honest? <laughs> no, I agree. I'm, I'm just... I hope they expand the library to some of the other big titles, though I know there's licensing issues. Um... They were able to you know, do like Donkey Kong Country and stuff on the um, on the mini, but of course that was a paid thing. So I think they were able to, you know, yeah, with this where it's just a benefit to an online service, you know, there's not as much money coming in, so it might be harder to pay Microsoft for Donkey Kong Country rights or well, yeah, Donkey like Kong Square for Final Fantasy. Yeah, I I can definitely see Final Fantasy being one of those relationships that could work like nintendo might go out and spend the money um i don't see us getting like super licensed games like star wars or ghostbusters or stuff like that although we you know you could be surprised but um when it comes to donkey kong country i mean i'm i'm not sure but i believe nintendo has those games like that's theirs um, oh they do yeah they're made by rare but they're the, the software is owned by nintendo because they would hold the copyright but if they were to do like an N64 one or N64 games like Banjo Kazooie would would be a tougher sell because that is owned by Microsoft. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the SNES games hold up a little bit more than the NES ones. So when they okay, add new yeah. ones, it's going to be more celebrated, I think, because uh, the NES was like, oh, great, they added new games, but mm, you've already added the ones that are playable. <laughs> like <laughs> you're scraping the bottom of the barrel now and i apologize if anyone loves i don't know whatever the last one was they added but uh we were due up for super nes games and i hope this is a sign that each year they're going to expand to the next generation i mean your talk yeah like your talk of SNES being you know a a tougher one license wise to add and being a, a an added value to the to the online sort of subscription and it being like a low cost like the n64 is where i could see it start being like okay like how hard is it to to port these games over now that they're looking at the n64 you know yeah Um, the the game that i really want which we probably won't get due to you know outside rights and stuff is my favorite game of all time chrono trigger yeah i didn't make it onto the mini which is why i didn't buy a mini Hmm. and it's not in this initial pack and sadly it probably never will come to the online service yeah they should do whatever it takes because that is the greatest video game of all time yeah i think with chrono trigger and other games like that like where they if they can sell it then it's less of a like less likely that a third party is going to allow nintendo to include it in their subscription service but i will happily pay money for chrono trigger on the switch yeah i mean maybe the maybe we'll get that but uh we did not get that unfortunately in the nintendo direct but we did get Smash DLC update. So Banjo-Kazooie is in the game now. So you can play as Banjo and Kazooie. Uh, a Microsoft uh, IP in a Nintendo game. We didn't think it was possible, but they did it. There was even a, a stream after the Direct where Sakurai um, actually... Uh, uh, he actually mentioned, hey, if you want to play Banjo-Kazooie, go buy an Xbox, which was very weird. But it happened. Um, and, and what are they going to do? Fire him? I, yeah. At this point, like he's the only thing reason we have Smash Brothers. 
he just keeps coming back. But um, they also announced someone from Fatal Fury, Terry. I, I, I say that only because I am not a fighting game person. And when they a- announced Terry, I was like, okay, well, that's it. I, I guess I'll play. He looks cool. His moveset looks really neat. Um, technically, I'm more excited about him than I was when they announced Hero from Dragon Quest. But I was kind of hoping for more of a... Like Banjo-Kazooie and I'd even put Joker in the same fashion as more of like a fan-pleasing sort of addition as opposed to just like, this is some, I don't know. I just didn't feel right. It didn't fit with me, but I know a lot of people are excited. Uh, and then finally they announced that they were doing more DLC, surprising no one, uh, after the Fighter's Pass is over. So there's one more character left to be revealed in the Fighter's Pass that you can pre-purchase, and they're going to do more DLC after that, which is pretty common for fighting games to have multiple season passes i think i've seen that a lot with like tekken and soul caliber and stuff like that um so we shouldn't really be surprised like are you a smash person at all jim oh i love smash smash is actually what got me to buy a switch last oh nice year. but I, I did play i played a little bit tonight played banjo kazooie a couple times fun character i wasn't into that game myself Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of my friends were, so I saw it a bunch, but it never really appealed to me. I just, I didn't like the characters at all, to be honest. <laughs> um, but you know, it was it was fun to play. I liked the stage, though it wasn't really anything like amazing, but mm-hmm. it was cool. So you know, I mean, I bought the fighters pass, so you know, I'll play all the stuff as it comes out. Yeah, like I'll buy all the fighters. Like I, I have the fighters pass. It was it was an investment, like five bucks for each of these packs is uh for each character pack is just that's a stellar deal for what you're getting and uh yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to more fighters i i, I really want to see what other you know deals they can finagle if they and if they can get joker which is essentially like a playstation exclusive sort of series with persona um i'm really looking forward to seeing what they can get next uh, some quick fire ones. We got Overwatch on Switch confirmed. Surprising no one because that's been that's been leaking like crazy. Uh, yeah, with... And it makes sense for them to do it eventually. I'm surprised oh. it took them this long to be honest. Uh, exactly, and I feel like this is the it's launching in October, so I feel like this is the like bring your Switch to BlizzCon because you can play Overwatch on Switch now. You know, similar to what they did with yeah. Diablo. Uh, I feel like it was a couple years ago, but it might have just been last year. I can't remember. Um, but uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition for Switch. And this is one of those instances where you need to look at a side-by-side for this because when I saw it, I'm like, oh, well, I, what is this? You know, it kind of looks similar. But if you look at a side-by-side with the Wii version of Xenoblade Chronicles and then this Switch version, it is... It's a massive difference. It's a huge difference. So I highly recommend people go do that before they uh, they kind of comment on, on it being, uh, you know... Um, the other one, another remaster we're getting is a Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore, which is a a mixture, uh, a smash up of Fire Emblem and Shin Megami Tensei, which is another Atlas game. And um, yeah. Persona is actually a spinoff from Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, there was some interesting conversation happening in the Discord today. I did not realize that that it was a spinoff of Shin Megami. I thought Persona was around longer than Shin Megami. Uh, no, Shin Megami's been around a very long time. Hmm. It was kind of weird. That has been, I think, mainly a Nintendo Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. It's been on like the 3DS and stuff like that. I'm not sure about like the original games, 
if they were on other systems, but then Persona has been a PlayStation game, which yeah. is just, it's all very weird. Like, it, why it is, is one on one one system and one on the other, and why won't they just put freaking Persona 5 on the Switch already? <laughs> yeah, I agree. And hey, maybe throw Shin Megami Tensei over to the PlayStation folks. I, I'd be fine with that. I think yeah. uh, it, it is a little odd, and um, it's really interesting to see them bringing this back, and it could be the fact that you know Persona games are doing so well, and, and Shin Megami Tensei 5 is a Switch exclusive, and I think Shin Megami Tensei is similar to Persona in that they take their sweet time developing their sequels because i remember man i remember i would even say accidentally picking up shin megami tensei 4 on 3ds and not not really liking it not really maybe i just wasn't at that point in my gaming sort of career where i could appreciate a game like that but uh yeah tokyo mirage sessions sharp fe encore it's coming in january so if you didn't play it on the wii u which i did not uh, you'll get another chance to pick it up on the switch next year yeah. yeah that's an interesting one i was looking some stuff up about it because i i'd heard of it before but didn't know much and the combat looks really cool and also just crazy just a lot of like you know big visual effects and wacky japanese-ness yeah so from what i was reading the exploration part of the game is kind of boring just like lame puzzle solving and just a lot of walking around and backtracking and stuff so mm-hmm. i don't know if i'll play it or not if i do it would almost certainly not be close to full price yeah and i was gonna say that i believe that the fire emblem characters were sort of just thrown in it's not like a it's not a it's not a smash up in the way that you would it's not 50 50 like i think it's more shimigami tensei than fire emblem but yeah, i, the I fire emblem characters are like spirits that defend the main characters in the game they mm-hmm turn into weapons for combat but they're not like i don't think you're ever like walking around and interacting with them or anything like that yeah so i mean it, i'll i will cautiously wait to see what it's like because I, I think i skipped it on wii u for good reason because it just wasn't it didn't really look to be my style and you're and i'm i was in the same boat i think it was like late in the wii u cycle and i was reading reviews and it just there were parts of it that didn't sound like it was gonna be a great fit but uh that was those were the highlights from the direct. But just before we started recording, Nintendo released a a trailer, like they do for some of their more wild and wacky ideas, as they save it for after the direct. And it was a trailer for a new device peripheral thing that is going to be revealed more details next Thursday on September twelfth. And we don't know what it's called, but it I, the best way to describe it is some sort of like tension rubber rubber band device that you put one of your joy cons in and then the other joy con is sort of put into a holster that you strap around your thigh uh and then you do like i'd say exercise well it's definitely exercises but um looks more like kind of yoga poses and and different stuff like that very much a we fit vibe that i'm getting from this yeah, it seems like kind of the next edition of like the Wii Balance Board. Mm-hmm. It's it looks like you can use it both for like kind of standard exercise type things and also like playing playing games with it mm-hmm. to some extent. But there's just all kinds of weird stuff in the video, like like shaking it or holding it between your legs and squeezing. 
Yeah, the squeezing and, part seems like I, I'd be worried. Like your Joy-Con is just gonna like flop out and hit you in the face. Like, <laughs> I, I would assume they've got that secured in there pretty well. I mean, Nintendo's pretty good at like keeping those things in place, but I, I just, man, it just looks so weird. Like I, I wouldn't buy what is probably gonna be like a forty dollar piece of like rubberized plastic and just like start like ramming it and moving it and stuff. And it's just like I don't know. I, I hope that thing's durable. That's all I could say. I just wonder if it's really going to work as well as it's, like, advertised to. Yeah, because, like, they kind of over overact in these videos in the sense that they're probably, mm-hmm. like, moving it in a very specific way that makes it look like it could be versatile. But, I mean, like Labo, um, I'll, I'll take a look at it. Uh, I bought a kit of Labo, and it just sat in a box. So the cardboard <laughs> <laughs> sat in another cardboard box. And I feel bad because, like, I think it, for me, it was like too soon. Like my kids weren't old enough, but I think Caden, once he's at an age where he can enjoy it, Caden or Abigail, uh, they'll be all over it. So I think Labo for me just came like maybe five or six years too soon. But this game, <laughs> this game, this thing basically looks like Ryan's going to look like an idiot in front of the TV and family. <laughs> like I, I don't see other people enjoying that in this household. I think it's just it put me at risk of actually taking a, a photo and posting it online of me like in a weird like we we don't even have a name for it like a switch switch band or whatever i don't know it just looks so weird well we don't have a release date for it maybe it'll come out before november and you can do a extra live stream for it well we can you know, get a nice video of you doing whatever the hell this thing does i think that would be interesting uh uh, yeah maybe maybe it will maybe it won't who knows it doesn't look like a like i think i think the soft i want to see what the software looks like i want to see what 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 they're offering with this but i'm it's potentially cool it is potentially cool and nintendo is the only company doing this stuff you know playstation and microsoft whether they're too good for it or they just it's too risky they don't take these chances like microsoft and sony haven't done their I'd say Sony maybe with the VR stuff they did they did dip their toes in and they've continued to kind of like keep the water warm there, but Microsoft after the Kinect have kind of steered clear of this stuff, but Nintendo's always been the champ at like literally making cardboard like toys like they've done their do they do their stuff like this is another one of those and I think the reason they exclude it from the direct is they know people don't want their core gaming mixed in with these weird experiment type things, you know, and uh, Nintendo's kind of learned from their past experiences, right? So it's it's good in that aspect, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. smart marketing. It's yeah, good. On, like, PlayStation and, or Sony and Microsoft have been extremely good at the, you know, standard home console box market, but every time they try to do other things like handhelds for Sony or the Move controllers or Microsoft's Kinect, they just aren't anywhere near as good at, at that stuff as Nintendo is. Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes me think that even though the Switch has been wildly successful, I don't think either Microsoft or Sony is going to try to copy it. No. Because it's just, they just aren't succeeding trying to go outside of their, like, you know, standard MO. Mm-hmm. So just leave, leave it to Nintendo to do all this weird stuff. Don't waste tons of, you know, research and development money trying to get in on these things just do what you're really good at it at and people are just going to buy their boxes and everything will be fine yep yeah microsoft and sony will wage their wars and nintendo will be in their 
their corner started having fun and, and i really hope that nintendo can keep up the momentum with with the switch and and keep trucking but um that's uh, gonna do it for this week on the gamers in a little bit of a beefier episode but you know what i wasn't here last week and we had jim and i had a lot to talk about jim uh if people want to continue the conversation where can they find you online uh well besides in the gamers in discord uh, i am on twitter at jimmy the shovel I don't do any sort of normal like gaming content creation stuff, though I do photography as a hobby. If you go to my Twitter profile, there's a link to my Flickr portfolio, so you can see a couple hundred or so photos I've taken there. Cool. And that's about it for me on the internet. That's great. Well, certainly check those things out, but certainly hang out in the Discord and have some fun conversations. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find Jocelyn at JossPlays as you watch her adventures at DreamHack. Uh, I'm at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow Jim at Jimmy the Shovel, as he said, or the show at The Gamers Inn. Uh, video versions of all our episodes will be streamed on Twitch uh, Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin when we do go live, and are available after the fact on Twitch. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Be sure to tune in next week, and have a fantastic weekend. Bye-bye.